time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test all right, y'all, we are jumping into the word of God today. We're continuing our series entitled Be the Church. We've been in this series for the month of March. And last uh, last week, I talked about uh, the Cooperative Economics Church. What I'm endeavoring to do throughout this series is to get us just uh, casting aside everything that we think we know about what it means to be the church and to open up our minds and our hearts anew to hear what God may be saying to us from looking back at the early church and seeing how church manifested uh, amongst them. And so it's been a good time so far. The first message, the Cooperative Economics Church, definitely uh, you can tell that it is a, a very deeply, uh, a subject that I'm deeply passionate about, about us kind of rethinking uh, that money that we pull together as, as a congregation what are ways that we can leverage it for social impact, not just for having church, but actually being the church. And so that is going to be a theme that I'm going to continue to push us on in the in the weeks and months ahead. And um, and yeah, I got some incredible, some really good feedback from folks last week about that sermon. And so I think it's challenging us in really good ways, sparking some interesting thoughts and conversations. And, uh, and we'll continue to um, continue to be talking about that uh, as well going forward. I want to pivot into talking about another aspect of what it means to be the church, which is to be the relational church. And that's what I want to talk about today, the relational church, because we definitely see in the book of Acts, right? They're pooling their resources together. Uh, they are doing it for the sake of meeting the material needs of those that are in the church community. And so that's the cooperative economics piece. But there is this relational component that I think we need to not miss as well. And so we'll look at that. Um, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, verse uh, 42 through 47. Uh, I'll read this in your hearing and we'll uh, we'll jump right into the into the sermon. If you've missed any of them, go check out our YouTube channel. Go check out our um, our uh, podcast and, and all of that good stuff. All right, let's do this. Verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want to talk about the relational church, the relational church. Let's uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for opening up your word to us today. And I thank you for giving me the chance to preach. I pray that you will preach through me with power and with conviction uh, in such a way that uh, that allows us to um, to leave the conversation or leave the sermon better than we were when we entered it. I pray that you will pour through me with uh, with the power of your Holy Spirit 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 When we think about what it means to be the church, it really uh, is akin to something different than I think most of us uh, have imagined. I'll give you this example. So there was uh, there were it was a couple years ago. It was actually right before the pandemic. I was at the Exponential Conference in Orlando, Florida, and I was it was about day two of the conference and I was headed to the next workshop or session that I was participating in. And as I'm walking from kind of like building to building, going to the next location, I hear somebody yell out my name. So I hear somebody say, Demetrius. And then I look over and there's this brother and he's like, hey, that's the pastor of the dumpest church on the planet. And so I, I go over to the brother. I had met him before, but now we have become fast friends. His name is Ricky Brown. And Ricky uh, was the founding pastor of the New Creation Church in Chicago. And so he has planted this church. It, it uh, the church was not even a year old at the time, and, and he knew about me, but he and I had never met. I've been to this conference many times. Most of the time, I come to the conference largely because I enjoy hearing innovative things about ministry, but then also I enjoy the warm weather in Orlando, Florida during the first week of March compared to what we have in Chicago. But throughout all of the years that I have gone to the conference, I typically only chat with maybe a few people throughout the entire conference. What this chance interaction between me and Ricky led into was that because Ricky was leading a session in the conference, was also one of the musicians on stage during the conference, and was also well connected to the founder of the conference, is that I ended up getting invited to um, an after party, if you will, with uh, most of the presenters of the conference and the founder, uh, Dave Ferguson of the conference. And from this, inter from this invitation that Ricky gave me, it enabled me to meet all these people that I had been gleaning all these insights and information from. And I ex we exchanged number. I exchanged numbers with a bunch of people. And effectively what it did was it took me from being a part of the crowd, the conference crowd, to being a part of the conference community. When I think about church, I think about the fact that church is much more akin to what I experienced the year that Ricky and I happened to run into each other rather than all the other years that I had attended the conference. You see, all the other years I was in the crowd, I was amongst five, six, seven thousand people. I was in proximity to them, but I was not in community with anybody. And the reality is when it comes to church, for many of us and for many years, we have been a part of the crowd and congregation, but not brought into community. We have sat in, whether it is big churches or a smaller church like City Point, we have sat in buildings and sat 
on rows and set in front of people and behind people and next to people. And we have been in buildings with people. We've been parts of the congregation and parts of the crowd. But I want to suggest to you that what it means to be the church is actually to be a part of the community. That is effectively what it means to be a part of the church. To be a part of the church means to not just be in the congregation or crowd, but it means to go further and actually be in community. To be in community is about knowing and being known. It is about building relationships. It is about getting to know other people beyond a simple, shallow and surface level. It it acknowledges that there is a kinship that we share because of our common bond that is in Jesus Christ. And let me just say to you that in this world that we live in, where we even barely know the people that live next door to us for years at a time, isn't it refreshing to imagine that being a part of a community, that being a part of a church can mean being a part of a community where you know other people and you are known. Let me say that as we forge as a church, and begin to reimagine anew once again what it means to be the church. Can I submit to you that we need to consider that what it means to be the church is actually synonymous with being relational. In other words, time is up for simply building a church community full of bodies that can feel seats. The day is over for Christian individualism where uh, the motivation is all vertical, a, a vertical relationship between people and God and the church simply being in the business of facilitating or trying to create a healthy relationship between individuals and God. Let me say that rather than that, rather than simply fostering that vertical relationship between people in the crowd uh, or in the congregation, rather than simply facilitating a relationship between them and God, let me say that going forward, we need to be looking at a more holistic view of facilitating a relationship between people and God and people and each other. That is that horizontal relationship that we often forget about. After all, people can consume content online. People can really hear good preachers and really good singers anytime they want to hear them on demand on the internet. But I believe that in the next phase of Christianity and the next phase of being the church, I believe that people will engage with church not simply to hear preaching and not simply to hear singing, but they will engage with it to be in community, in relationships that get fostered because they are part of the church. It will effectively get us back to being the church. Yeah, not the Christian showcase. Not the Christian show, but the church. When we look at the book of Acts, this is one of the ways that they were actually embodying what they understood it meant to be the church. You see, they understood the church as the community of people that they were, watch this, a part of. That it was their extended family. It was this Uh, extended family sort of thing that they had entered into because of Jesus Christ. It it was not simply an institution that they uh, um, were a part of. It was a family that they belonged to. And so when we watch or view the book of Acts, 
What we're seeing here is Luke described the early church, the startup church movement. He's refer he is talking about it to who he refers to as the most excellent Theophilus. And what Luke wants to impart is that there are some hallmarks of this movement. It is not just about what they believe Luke tries to impart, but it is how they embody it. So Luke talks about things that are distinctive about what they did, like that they broke bread together, that they received each other into their homes, that they shared with one another. But what Luke is describing here is very much church, but it is not what has been at the forefront of church for the last 1600 years. Now, there have been times in church history and in different uh, periods of time, especially during new denominational movements or the founding of new denominations or during revival uh, seasons in church history. There have been times when the church has gotten back to its roots of being not merely a service, but being deeply relational and deeply communal. But for the most part, what has been front and center in the church has been the institution and the gathering. But I believe that God is calling us to do something different in this season. I believe that God is calling us to think different, to imagine differently, to not give into or to be satisfied with the status quo and to open up our spirits and our, our ears and our eyes to perceive what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us that there are other possibilities. There are other ways of us thinking about how to embody church than what we have uh, known as church all of our lives. That there is room to hear God say, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not see it? Do you not perceive it? Behold, it shall spring forth. Let me say to you that perhaps out of this time that we go throughout this series, that hopefully we will be opening up our hearts, that we will be opening up our minds, that we will be opening up our spiritual eyes and we will begin to imagine and to let emerge some model that will be more effective and look more like the church in the book of Acts. And we will be a breath of fresh air and water to the thirsty because we dared to think differently. And so what I want to do for just a few minutes is to look at the book of Acts. And I want to consider what it meant for them to be the church was for them to be the relational church. And I want to make the I want to make the case to you that to be the church is not only to be a part of the congregation or to not only be a part of the crowd, but it is to be in community with each other. Community. So there are three things I see in the text about being the relational church. I'll share them and then I'll I'll get out of y'all way. The first thing that I see is that being the relational church means knowing, means knowing. Let's look at verse 46. It says every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What I see here in the text is that there was something beyond surface level relationships happening among these believers in Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, they, they, they knew each other. The text says that they broke bread together, that they were in each other's homes. They were eating together. Yes, they they knew each other. It is this kind of deep knowing of one another that I am interested in pushing us to uh, as a church where we go beyond the shallow hellos and goodbyes, but a genuine interest in knowing each other. It is through knowing. It is through knowing you that I know how to pray for you. It is through knowing you that, that, that you know how to pray for me. It is through knowing each other that we can begin to know meaningful ways that we can encourage each other, that we can show up for each other, that we can be available for each other and that we can use the gifts that God has given us for one another. The only way that we can do that is if we know one another. And this is what we see here in the book of Acts. This is what Luke is describing as he talks about them meeting together daily in the temple courts and about them uh, uh, moving from house to house and welcoming each other in. They were effectively living their lives together. They knew each other. This is what we see at work amongst these first Christians who call themselves the church in Jerusalem. Let me say to you, secondly, that, that to be the relational church means connecting. Uh, uh, look at verse 46. It says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. A few years ago, I, I remember us. This was maybe 2019. Maybe I remember us uh, splitting up. Uh, the congregation splitting up and and people did dinner around the city and suburbs. Right. And so we had encouraged people to select the restaurant or the area of their choice. Maybe it was because they lived close to that area or worked close to that area. And, and you and everybody else that picked that particular restaurant will go to the restaurant together and we would give I think we did like twenty five dollar um, gift cards or something like that for people to be able to pay for um, for their meal. We were seeking to foster these kinds of um, breaking of bread together. And so it was it ended up being a very good time. And I remember it sparking new relationships among people and new contacts and new friendships. And granted, this was among people who had been worshiping together in the same congregation for years and had seen each other or had known each other at surface levels. But because they had moved beyond sitting across the row from each other at church, they had moved beyond sitting next to each other, behind each other at church, to actually sitting at the table with them, that somehow or another, it brought them into a deeper relationship with each other, a better relationship, a more meaningful relationship, all because they sat down at the table to break some bread. Some have said, and I have echoed this sentiment, and I think that I heard it first from uh, maybe it was David Kinnaman on the Church Pulse Weekly uh, podcast. David Kinnaman uh, uh, leads up the Barna Group that does research uh, on, on current church trends and, and church movements. I think I heard it there first where it was intimated that the future of the church will not be about pews. It'll be about tables. 
that there is this uh, there's this movement uh, underway uh, that is called the dinner church movement. And it basically is what it sounds like. People uh, get together every single week. Typically, it's a weeknight. And the way that they do church service rather than what we would traditionally call a service is they have dinner. People bring food to contribute to the to the potluck style dinner. And so it is everybody contributing something and uh, somebody may um, may may get up and sing a song or or somebody may uh, do a do an acoustic guitar um, accompaniment uh, to their song. The person who is leading it, the the pastor, if you want to call that person that will do like a little short sermon and then people eat together. They have conversation with each other. They have conversation um, related to the sermon and about other things. And they are enjoying this time that is set aside for them each other once a week to break bread together. Uh, some uh, people that have engaged in this kind of movement have commented that they had been disconnected from church for years, but somehow they reconnected to church through dinner church, just breaking bread together. Y'all, what I'm saying here is that the early church, they understood that to embody being the church to embody being a Christian meant more than just assembling in a building on a Sunday to hear some songs and to hear somebody preach. It was not worship and learning only, although those were important aspects of what they did, but they also moved beyond that into building deep relationships and connecting with each other. Y'all, this should happen both officially and organically. It should happen because the church put together something to help make it happen. But I want to say to you that it ought to also just happen organically. I love it when I find out that members have just connected with each other organically and they've gone out for drinks together. They've gone out for dinner together or they've had lunch together because they both work in the loop or, or they have got together to hang out to watch a game where they've gotten together to schedule a play date for their kids to play together. This is a part of what it means to be the church. Lastly, to be the relational church means caring. Verse 45 says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Yeah, I want to venture to say that the reason they were able to be so caring towards each other so much so that they would care to help provide for other people's material needs. I want to suggest to you that it is because they had a relationship with each other. I I bet it was precisely because they ate in each other's homes. I I bet it was precisely because their, their kids played together. Because they hung out together. Because they knew each other. That that they couldn't bear to do anything but share their possessions when somebody had a need. Because they had a relationship with each other. You see, in the very passive church model, 
where we just sit in proximity with each other on Sunday, but don't know each other. Person can have no food in their refrigerator or have been evicted two weeks ago and have been sleeping in their car and we don't even know it nor know that we can help because we're not in relationship with each other. Yeah. I believe in acts that they were caring because they knew each other. They were in relationship with each other. I love being a pastor. I love this season that we are in right now, and I think it presents very interesting new challenges, but new opportunities. I want these next few years as we hopefully are emerging out of the pandemic for us not simply to revert to muscle memory. For, for us not simply to say that, like what we use this opportunity for was to just reimagine like how to produce our video of what we do on Sunday. I think it's much deeper. I think it is important for our sermons to be digital. I think it is important for people to be able to stream our service from anywhere in the world. I think it is important for us to have a dope in-person experience. I think all of that is very important, but I think it can't stop there. Now is the time for us to reimagine, re-envision, Pause, hear God, try things, see what it feels like to engage in being church, embodying church in new and different ways. I'm excited about this journey that we're going on. I'm excited about y'all speaking into it, the Lord speaking into it, the Holy Spirit speaking into it. I'm excited about what we will come up with together, what we will do together, and, and more, most importantly, how people will be more deeply engaged, how people who are far away from God and the church will be brought near because of it, and ultimately how God will be glorified because we dared to try something different.